Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and welcome unto the, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Over the years, Reader's Digest has printed many quirky items from ordinary life. Back in my younger days, I used to get that, and I'd cut those things out and sort of spray them all over, the, all over my desk and then later stick them into different folders so I could use them. I remember a billboard. I don't remember it. I, I saw it and pulled it out of my folder. A billboard read back in 2010. It said, stand up and be counted for the 2010 census. The sign was sponsored by the Rosewood Seminary or Cemetery. That was kind of fun. Another woman wrote in with an excuse from an employee. The man explained his absence for work by saying, I'm having my autopsy tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be in the next day. I don't know what kind of procedure he was supposed to be having, but usually people don't go into work after their autopsy. Perhaps Lazarus did go back to work a couple of days later although he didn't have an autopsy. But Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were among Jesus' closest of friends. Bethany was a suburb of Jerusalem, about an hour's walk, two miles away from Jerusalem, and that's where Jesus stayed when he was in Jerusalem, sort of used it as, as home base. So when Lazarus got sick, and it was clear to the sisters that he was not getting better, they sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he says, this illness doesn't lead to death, it leads to the glory of God. So that the Son of Man may be glorified in this illness. Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And yet notice this, that when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he stays for two more days in the place where he was at. This one sentence could make a pretty good sermon all by itself. You see, God works on his timetables, not ours. I don't know how many times we have prayed that Jesus would come and do such and such now, that we would like grandma to be healed now, or someone to walk now, or blindness to be cured here or there, and yet sometimes Jesus feels a little far off. It's the simplest definition of faith, really. It's believing in God and trusting in his providence even in those times when God seems absent or distant. I mean, if we knew and we had some sort of a guarantee that God would answer every prayer, every request, just as soon as we decided we wanted it, it wouldn't be faith anymore. It'd be something else. I don't know what that something else would be, but it wouldn't be faith. Jesus lingered where he was. And then he says to his disciples, Let's go to Judea. And the disciples are opposed to the idea. I mean, the, the Jews have already threatened to kill him half a dozen times. And we know in the story, they are on their way to their plot to kill him. And it's becoming very dangerous for Jesus to be in Judea. But the master will not be deterred. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I go to wake him. You see, this is that other side of faith. 
so that we don't feel forsaken. Christ may linger here in a place for a time or a short time or even a long time, but his absence is, on, is always only temporary. He has not forgotten us. Back to our text, it's Thomas, one of the twins, or one, who's called the twin, one of the twelve in verse 16, who gets our, our action moving again by sort of, this is one of my favorite lines, he sort of resigns himself to it. He's like, all right, we'll go to Judea so we can die with Jesus. On his arrival, Jesus finds Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. This four days is really significant. At the time, people believed that you could return from the grave. The purpose of the mourning for a three-day period was to give the body time to rest, but also occasionally the soul would come back. The, the thinking there was that the soul would sort of come out of the body and circulate and sort of hover around it, and sometimes it, it came back. It was their, their prehistoric way, I guess, of, of dealing with what modern medicine now would call a coma. Somebody might get kicked in the head by a camel and be out for days, comatose, and awaken two days later, three days later. But not four. Four days is too long. Not without IV fluids and feeding tubes and breathing machines. Four days, four days was beyond comatose. After four days without hydration, the game is up. Lazarus is not asleep. Lazarus is dead. And he's not like first stage dead. He is dead, dead. He's not coming back. Not normally. The evangelist Oral Roberts used to claim that he could bring people back from the dead occasionally and put under extreme pressure. The media found that he was sort of fudging his claims just a bit. It's one thing to be revived through CPR. It's another thing to be resuscitated through modern medicine. Even drowning victims get that, what they call that, that golden hour to be resuscitated before permanent brain damage sinks in. It is quite a different thing entirely for a person to be decomposing in the grave for four days and be brought back to life. And this is exactly what Jesus does. When Mary and Martha heard that Jesus was coming, when, Mar when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him. Lord, if you would have been there. And she adds with hope. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give unto you. We see here that Martha seems to be a woman of pretty extraordinary faith. I mean, I'm sure you remember the story of Mary and Martha from Luke chapter 10. Remember that it was Mary who sat at Jesus' feet, and it's, it's Martha who's up and scurrying around the house, and she's cooking and cleaning and drawing water, and she complains that her sister's not helping her. And Jesus chides Martha and praises Mary. And yet, on this occasion things seem to be different. It indicates that Martha might have the maturity of faith. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And she knows that. 
She says, I know, I know he will rise again in the resurrection upon the last day. And Jesus continues with these, these funeral verses that we have used ever since. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, and yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe. I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she says this, she goes back and she calls her sister Mary. The teacher is here looking for you. When Mary hears this, she gets up quickly. She goes out to meet him. And now, Jesus is still waiting. He's still outside the village. And when they all see Mary get up and and run outside the village, they assume that she's running out to go to the tomb. And they quickly, they go up and they follow her. And coming to Jesus, she falls at Jesus' feet the same way that Martha did. And she says, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Sounds kind of accusatory to me. Jesus' response is, where have you laid him? He asks and they show him. And Jesus weeps. John chapter 11, verse 35. It's not just the shortest verse in the Bible. But it really is one of the most powerful verses as well. You see, when, when Jesus weeps, he weeps real tears. And, and just like we cry real tears when we're hurting and broken and alone. And Jesus knows those cares. Jesus understands those cares. That's part of the incarnation. That's part of Jesus becoming man. Jesus doesn't become man. He doesn't become incarnate so that he can become some sort of superhuman being. He he enters humanity so to suffer in with and under humanity. And he does. He suffers those pains. It seems fascinating to me that, that Jesus already, already knowing what he's about to do, he still feels that pain of loss because it hurts. And it really does hurt. It hurts so much that Jesus himself would rather die himself than to see us die eternally. The onlookers are moved by Jesus' tears and they go, see how he loved him. They haven't seen anything yet. They haven't come close to seeing the death, the depth of love Jesus has for his children. Many agree with Mary and Martha, the man who had opened the eyes of the blind, which we talked about last week, the man who had given sight to blind Bartimaeus, certainly could have kept this man from dying. Jesus, once more moved, comes to the tomb, 
to the cave with a stone laid across it. And he goes to the entrance and he tells them to move away the stone. Another powerful sentence. Another powerful sentence worthy of putting on our own tombstones as well. Take away the stones. Kendall Link, a prison minister, claims that this is one of the most effective Bible passages that he uses and preaches in his prison ministry. He says that, that prisoners find it incredible hope in this line. This idea that you don't have to stay where you are, that you don't have to stay who you are, that there is a stone there, and that stone God can roll away. And you can step out into a new life. Take away the stone. But Lord, they argue with him, it's been four days. Four days, the soul is it's gone. It's left the building. Lazarus has left the building. King James Version says, he stinketh. But they roll away the stone. And Jesus looked up and he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And he calls out in a loud and clear voice, Lazarus, it's a good thing he used his Lazarus name. He could have inadvertently raised a whole graveyard of people all at the same time, right? He says clearly, Lazarus, come out. And after four days in the tomb, Jesus raises his friend from the dead. And I really want you to understand that story. It's kind of an interesting story considering we're all sort of cooped up in our own little uh, social distancing tombs as we all stay to ourselves this week. I don't want you to see this story as you being some sort of a non-affected bystander. You should not be trying to connect with Mary. Please don't try to connect with Martha this week or even with Thomas or one of the twelve. Today we're Lazarus. This story is about you. The story is about you being raised from the dead. Jesus wept. He says, take away the stone. Lazarus, come out. And you and I have this to look forward to. On the day when the dead will rise in Christ and we will live beyond the grave with Christ and with those that we loved who believed upon His name. And there will come a day when each one of us, when the doctors will raise their hand and say, we can do no more for Him. But then on that last day, Christ will say, Mike, come out. Joe, come out. Sally, come out. But the story is not just about us. It's an illustration of the resurrection. A word of encouragement for anybody. For anybody who needs a new beginning. For anybody that needs to be turned loose. Maybe a little story about us and the need to be let out of the house. Lazarus, come out. Come out to a new life. 
There's an old story of a nurse, and I think lots of nurses have done this before they put on their stethoscopes and listen to, the, to a child's heart for the first time. They'll take the, thesis, the, the stethoscope and they'll put it into the, the ears of the child and, and put that little disc up to the, to the child's heart that the child can hear the thump, 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 thump of their own heart. And then the nurse had did this as she had done a thousand times and let the little boy hear and asked the little boy, what do, you, what do you suppose you're listening to? And the little boy wrinkles up his brow as he listens to this tap, tap, deeding in his own, own chest. And he wrinkled up his eyebrows and goes, do you, do you think that's Jesus knocking? And maybe so. Maybe Jesus is knocking upon your heart calling you to a new life, to a new resurrection in this modern day. Come out. Come off of your high horse and put away your grumblings. Remove your decay and strip away the, the burial clothes of modern life and repent of your old ways. Create a new relationship with hearts and minds focused upon Christ Jesus. Maybe Jesus is ordering the door to be rolled away from your tomb. Therefore, many of the Jews, they believed because they saw what Jesus had done and they believed in him. Next week, we'll celebrate Palm Sunday. Some of these very same Jews who saw this resurrection cut down palm branches and they walked through the streets of Jerusalem and claimed him to be the king of the Jews, the Messiah of whom we had waited so long. He has come to heal us of our disease, to bring us home, to be with his Father forever. In Jesus Christ we pray.